Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome aboard the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Hope all are having as I love to say, a wonderful, wonderful day. No question about it, okay? And we love the fact that you're here with us each and every single day here with us here on the National Football So Thank you so much for coming aboard. All is good. We are power-packed again. Packed again here, man. And I, I, I tell you, you know, people always say this. Okay, they always say this here that this is like the downtime for football season. It's not the downtime. This is the time where teams are building their roster. This is the time when you're looking and evaluating every single player that is on your roster. And we're talking NFL. Hell, even in the college ranks. Okay, even in the college ranks. You're looking at what guys that you're going to go to training camp in July with and in August when it comes to the college guys. And you're looking and you're figuring out which people are going to be your frontline guys, your top 40 guys when it comes to the National Football League. And on top of that college, like I said, your first 47 guys that you're looking at that you're going to go to battle with in your August camp. So this is a time where people are really rallying the troops and sometimes even looking at other rosters when it comes to evaluating their roster. You never know when you're going to see moves like the Julio Jones move we saw a couple weeks ago. You you, you don't know how this Aaron Rodgers story is going to play out, and you really don't know how this Deshaun Watson story is going to play out. You know, we were were kind of like ping-ponging this back and forth. You know, my boy Krause saying, I'm not going near that guy until we end up finding out a little bit more and it's settled, the waters are settled. I agree. There's a lot to that because you know in today's age, you're going to have people and it's going to be on that side of the aisle, especially with the cancel culture and the cancel. I call it cancer and cancel culture that we have in America today. That kind of problem right now is not something that you want as the face of your franchise. So that Watson story, it kind of remains in limbo a little bit. As we said, we got a packed show for you here, okay? Bottom of the hour, we're going to have the general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers on with us, Tom Telesco. I think Tom has done a spectacular job at building that roster, getting Justin Herbert and signing him. Now, look, I'll say this to you. I thought Justin Herbert was a heck of a player when he was at Oregon. I had a chance to meet him a couple years ago. I don't think you understand the size this guy is. You know, I should post that picture of me and him. This guy's a good 6667. He is a horse of a dude, man. Big time. I mean, but then when you watched him really take in the playbook of the Chargers. Hey, and not throwing any shade on Anthony Lynn. I really like Coach Lynn, who was the head football coach of the Chargers a year ago. There is no question they wanted to upgrade at the coaching position because they see that they have a gem. 
And that's the trend right now. Look at what's going on in Arizona when they get Cliff Kingsbury in there. Or when you see Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. Or you see Sean McVay in Los Angeles. Or you see Kyle Shanahan. These brilliant play callers are what people are looking at nowadays when it comes to hiring head football coaches. You know, the name guys, like back in the day, the the Mike Dickas, the Jimmy Johnsons, the Bill Parcells, hell, the Bill Belichicks, those names, that's not something that organizations are looking for. What organizations are looking at now when it comes to hiring head football coaches, they are looking at, without a doubt, they're looking at play callers. They're looking at people that can develop the quarterback position. and to see if these guys can evolve into being the head guy. I've said this before to you. You know, a transition going from the college ranks and then going to the NFL, amen, from high school to college, that's a big jump. But from college to pro for a player, it's enormous. And I would even say this to you, from being an assistant coach to being a head football coach in the NFL, that is quite a leap as well. All right, as we said, we're packed, okay? So we're going to have him at the bottom of the hour. Then hour two, we are going to catch up with our friend Dallas Diamond Page. DDP yoga is some of the biggest, and I would say this to you, some of the healthiest stuff that you can have in your resume when you get older when it comes to taking care of your body. He's one of the legendary WWE wrestlers. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's got a great sports background. We'll ask him about the current status now of the wrestling industry. We'll get his opinion. That'll be in hour number two. All right, let's jump into the sandbox here now. So college football, and I start here because there's stuff going on in Washington, D.C. right now about paying student athletes. And I want to tell everyone, the reason that I got into sports talk radio years ago and I got into sports broadcasting was because of the notion that college sports is amateur sports. What amateur sport do you know where the coach makes $9 million a year and the players make nothing? And now I can hear people out there going, yeah, but to get their education, they get their education. You get your education if you go to the military too. You can get educated if you're in prison. Only difference is when I'm in prison, I actually get paid for pressing those plates. Or if I'm in the Army, I actually get paid a monthly salary. But if I'm in college, I don't get paid. I can't even use my likeness. Well, come July 1st, guess this, that's changing. Certain conferences are now allowing kids to use their likeness to go out and make money. And what does that mean? It is going to open up the floodgates on what programs can and can't do. You know the old days of SMU back in the day when players were getting money? This is going to be something that the NCAA, who I call the National Communist Association of America, those guys are not going to be able to handle. They're on the hill belly aching right now. Well, if it opens up the floodgates, we're not going to be able to control it. You see? It all comes down to controlling the player. It never came down to controlling the coaches. How about the coaches that get in trouble and put teams on probation? Yeah, I'll give you a for instance. You know, everybody reveres um, Lou Holtz as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Do you not? You know, he got the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom a year ago from President Trump. Every single program that Lou Holtz 
Well, even going back to William and Mary, he put on probation as he was walking out the door. Minnesota, NC State, Notre Dame, South Carolina, pick a program. Lou had pushed the gamut, and Lou had left those programs on probation. There wasn't a program he didn't coach at that didn't have that distinction of the Lou Holtz touch of death when it came to getting probation. And yet the media loved him because he was great. Watch this. Here, here's a typical Lou Holtz press conference. I just don't know how we're going to beat the University of Miami. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. man. We got nobody, guys, on Notre Dame. We used to always go like this. Lou, you're 12-0. <laughs> he's going, I don't know how we're going to beat that team. We don't really have the players. You're Notre Dame guy. Don't give me that coach stuff. These guys are the best and the biggest. I've never seen anybody get that. Like Elmer Fudd talking. I got with that. Unbelievable. I'm sorry. What was that, Lou? I missed that. You're 12 and 0, guy. Every program, every program that he ever coached at went on probation. <laughs> so don't tell me, man. Okay? Really, just don't. Okay. On top of this now. So you're you're now hearing that all these conference commissioners are now going, and now you even got legislators on the Hill going, well, how can we continue? You can't, and nor should you be able to. You know what is the fear here? Big 10, SEC, Pac-12 are not going to be able to control the other conferences like Conference USA, Mountain West, uh, the independent conferences that are out there that have to somehow compete. You know what they're going to do? They're going to get kids jobs now. Hey, listen, I know that you're being recruited by LSU, but you can make a lot of money here at Memphis. We got a great alumni base, and at our alumni base, you're going to be able to have your likeness working at a car dealership. And in that car dealership, you're going to be able to get a car legally and you're going to be able to make a salary legally. Or how about you're you're in like San Jose State and you're up in the Bay Area? Yeah, and how about this? And one of the uh, tech guys is a high executive. Hey, you're going to be able to work with Facebook and you're going to be able to earn a salary and we're going to use your face to promote some of the items that we have on our platforms. You're not going to be able to control this, nor do I want you to control this. You know, it's funny. I, when I signed a scholarship to the University of Miami, and I told you this story before, and I've posted this, I don't have a problem with the university when I was playing there, selling my jersey, which they did, selling my likeness on covers of like programs so that they could sell the game with me and a couple other guys, Michael Irvin, Jerome, and all these guys, Vinny Testifer, when we were there, that's what they did. And they used our likeness when it came to the commercial spots. We were all like, hey, great, that's something, you know, we were always proud of it, that we were helping promote our school. But to this day now, you're still selling EA sports games with my likeness on it. You're, you're selling commercial ads, three for 93. That's what they sell at Hard Rock. Then they put my picture up because they, what they do is they go back in time and they pick some of the great players that played at Miami and they use their likeness to sell some ticket promotion that they're doing. Um, they call you out of respect and say, do you mind? And I always do this. No, I, I don't mind because at the end of the day, it's my college and they know that they can always work on my, my 
you know, emotion strings doing that. And so I okay it. But shouldn't I make money off that? Shouldn't I make money off the EA Sports that now looks like they're going to have college football come back into their gaming system? I mean, they just I saw there's some teams that are not going to do it, but there's a lot of teams that are going to do it. Shouldn't I be involved in getting some of that money? And it's on the Hill now in Washington. And they're debating how they're going to control it. You're not going to be able to. And I'm glad that the Pac-12 is now getting out in front because this may be a way for them to catch up to the SEC by offering jobs. What's wrong with offering a job to a kid who's going to college? You know, when I was at the University of Miami, I couldn't get a job because it was illegal. It was considered an extra benefit. I had to give the scholarship back if I got a job. We couldn't have a job. Every other kid at the campus could. And we were like, wow, it's crazy. But now this rule changes that. So I'm glad that's being addressed. But the NCAA right now is in fear of what's going on and the hearings that are going on in Washington as I speak. All right. This story here I'm a little bit wary about when I talk about this story. And I'm not going to really put the names out there yet because this story has got a lot to do with the legacy of one of the legendary college football coaches. I'm going to talk more about it in a broad sense. Bo Beckler's son, Matt, has come out and has alleged that his father allowed the team doctor to sexually abuse him and to sexually abuse other athletes at the University of Michigan from 1966 until 2003. That's the years he worked at Michigan. In that article, and by the way, ESPN.com has also put the story out there. Um, it was alleged that players had gone to Bo Schembechler and told Bo Schembechler that this guy was sexually abusing players, not only in the football department, but also on other departments that were in the University of Michigan. And he was the doctor that all these players, there's 900 athletes that have hired lawyers that are bringing a lawsuit against the University of Michigan. Now, his other son is saying if Bo would have known, he would have done something. This is very similar to the story of Joe Paterno. You had a sexual predator inside the university, and you had a head coach who was revered as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Now, he's not here to defend himself, nor is his wife. So that's why I have to reserve a little bit here on the side of caution, because you know why? I'm not going to start throwing allegations out against Bo Schembechler. I'm just telling you the story. I want to know more. There's a press conference today that was held that the son has gone public saying that Bo knew, and he had gone to his dad numerous times. He was getting a physical. He was 10 years old so that he could play in a peewee football league in Ann Arbor. And he told his dad, and his dad said, I don't want to hear it. He went on to add into the mix that this is the first time that Bo punched his wife in the face. 
This is all the kids' comments, not mine. I'm waiting to get a little bit more clarity. Now, the University of Michigan had hired a law firm to do the investigating into these allegations. They came back and told the Board of Regents that these are credible and that the university did nothing to move forward with these allegations when it came to cases that were in court. In theory, they hit it. Okay. Let's put that there, and there's two sides of this, okay? There's two sides of this story here, no doubt. I don't know we're going to be able to hear the other side because Bo's not here any longer. The wife's not here, but the kids are here. People in the university are here. Here's where I'm going with this. Bo Schembechler in Michigan should be held to the same standard that Penn State was. And I made this comment about Joe Paterno years ago, and I steadfast to this. Do you truly believe in your heart of hearts that if Joe Paterno knew that if somebody was sexually abusing a kid and there was a coach on his coaching staff, he would not have addressed that? Do you truly believe that? That's for you and your morality to have to come to grips with. Me personally, I think sometimes when you're from that era, there's one thing that we couldn't talk about when we were younger, sexuality. Kids today have no problem going to their parents and saying things. You know what I love about today's era? You know what I love about today's kids? They always do ask the question, why? Why am I doing this? They call people out nowadays. If a coach is doing something wrong that they don't like, their practicing habits are not good, like the running back a year ago at Oklahoma State didn't like what was going on there with Coach Gundy, called him out publicly. I actually like that. Kids are showing leadership today. And especially if you see it, say something about it. I'm okay with that. Okay? But back in that era, nobody talked about homosexuality. Nobody talked about any of that stuff. Those, And by the way, I want you to know this. I'm not giving anybody a hall pass in anything here. I'm just telling you the story again. And Joe Paterno was from an old era where, get this, okay? You, you turned a blind eye to that stuff. And you know what it did in the end? It cost him his legacy. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Joe's not responsible for the actions of Jerry Sandusky. Okay, he's not. But he's accountable for having him in the program and the accessibility with that, that kid's foundation that he had and being part of the whole thing and maybe hearing something and not doing enough about it. That is on Joe. And that will always be the stain on that legacy. Hey, watch this. You know how many times I used to talk to Coach Paterno on my radio show? And I used to ask Coach Paterno, what do you make of your football team this year? What kind of guys do you have? He'll go, I'll tell you in 25 years. And I used to go, what do you mean I'll tell me in 25 years? He'd go like this. Well, I'll see what kind of men they are in their communities, whether they're giving people to people. Joe had a heart of gold. But sometimes you turn a blind eye to things that are in your own backyard and you protect what you have created. Wouldn't you? You would do everything you could to protect the legacy and something that you've done. 
it just shows you now that we're hearing this about Bo Schembechler years after the fact, you know, that story with Sandusky was all the way back in from the seventies that allegedly he was doing all these things. So now we have another legendary coach that's going to, if this story does end up coming to a point where people are actually believing it, the law firm that Michigan hired believes it. It'll be a stain on Beauchamp Beckler's record. Now, Jim Harbaugh has come out yesterday, and Jim said that if Coach Shem Beckler knew, he would have done something about it. I've got to give Jim Harbaugh the credit, too, and I've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm watching a story unfold like I did the Joe Paterno story in front of me. I have no opinion on the Beauchamp Beckler story yet. I'm just telling you that here is another case of a coach that could have turned a blind eye because of all the things that he was doing good for all the players that he had on that team, for all the people that came out of Michigan. All the Remember some, this is the school of Tom Brady. This is the school of Derek Jeter, Michigan. Numerous other superstars, Charles Woodson. Go down the list, man. I mean, legendary athletes have come out of Michigan. I think Michael Phelps, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's a Michigan guy too. So this is a stain on that university if it comes to um, any truth of what Bo Schembechler's. Now, it's his adopted son. Does he have an ax to grind? Maybe. He was left out of the will, and obviously there's some hard feelings. There were some things with memorabilia that he lost a case in court. Is this bitter feelings? That's why before I start naming names of doctors and players and people, I'm going to let the people that are out in front of this. I'm not going to get out in front of this and start saying, hey, Paterno's a, or um, Bo Beckler's a scumbag. Not going there with that. So this is a story to keep an eye on. All right, let's get to happier times here. We were just talking a couple minutes ago about Justin Herbert. I got to tell you something. This Charger team, I think this Los Angeles Chargers team has one of the absolute best rosters that there is in the AFC. And they may have themselves a signal caller that, you know, I think can absolutely win the AFC West. Yes, even with Patrick Mahomes in it. We'll take a timeout. We'll talk to Tom Telesco, the general manager and the architect of the Chargers. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to Steersnacks.com. 
Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. We are going to catch up with our friend, general manager of the Chargers, Tom Telesco, and get his thoughts on the upcoming 2021 season. Justin Herbert, the brand-new head football coach, Brandon Staley. How did he get the job? What was the determining factor on went into that process on moving from Anthony Lynn, who I love, great respect for Anthony, and I'm sure Tom's going to say the same thing. I mean, you know, but we're in an era now, and I, I was – hitting on this a couple minutes ago on how you have to look at that quarterback position now in the NFL, the emphasis on the games, the rule changes that have taken the game over have become so instrumental that that position is the most important position that you could possibly have on your football team. The success of that guy is direct result of what your one loss record is going to be. I don't care if you have the number one wide receiver, the number one running back. I don't care if you have other players that are sprinkled in to the other parts of your football team. If that position is not solidified, you are not going to win games in this league. You have to have a capable guy at that position that can move the chains for you. And most importantly, if you find a guy that can throw you out of trouble, and what I say with that is, you know, there's quarterbacks that are really good in this football league. And I've said this before about Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, to me, is one of the most electric players that we have in the game. Former MVP, led the NFL in passing touchdowns, has rushed for 1,000 yards the last two years. That's great. 
by the way, won 80% of his football games. But can that guy throw you out of trouble if you're down 21 points, you're late in the playoff? Is that guy's capability in his arsenal to be able to – personally, I don't think he is. I think when you get a guy that's behind like that and he is who he is because he has not shown that he could throw his football team out of trouble. By the way, this is not shade on him. He's one of the most electric guys in the sport. My point is I'm making the emphasis on if you find a guy that can throw you out of trouble like, say, Patrick Mahomes. How many times have we seen where Patrick Mahomes has been down? A couple of years back, we saw him behind in the playoff games, and he was behind, and he ended up coming down. What was he? Down by like 21 points one time, 28 points. He came from behind and led that Chiefs team to a victory in the playoffs. That's the kind of guy that you're looking for when you're evaluating that position. There's no question about it. There's very few of those dudes that we have today in the NFL. We've got a lot of talented guys at the position, but there's a handful of guys that are able to do that. So when you're evaluating that position, then you have to also look at evaluating the coaching position. Does it go hand in hand? Do you have a coach who can develop that? Do you have a coach who can bring out the best in that player's ability? I mean, when you evaluate a player and you see that he's NFL capable, which means he can play in this league, then you have to start looking at, do we have the right assistant coaches around him? Do we have the right head football coach? And get this, just like in any job, some CEOs, okay, they fit into their job better. It's not an indictment that, say, a guy who's a defensive coach or a running back coach doesn't fit into what you're doing now because you've changed your personnel at that position. That's why a general manager right now, when he's making that evaluation, it's not just about the quarterback any longer. It's also about the head football coach. And with that said, our friend Tom Telesco, we bring him in here. And I appreciate you doing this, Tom. Thank you, brother. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Look at all those game balls you got behind you there. Jimmy Johnson gave me those game balls. There's my two national championship rings, my NFL alumni ring. Nice. Yeah, Big Sills likes to toot his horn. <laughs> hey, Tom, I was just I was just talking. You know, when I love Anthony Lynn, and I think today when you're looking at the position of quarterback, it's no shade on Anthony. It's sometimes when you find a guy like Justin Herbert and you're looking at evaluating him, you also have to evaluate the coaching staff on looking at whether or not this is a fit. And I know you have great respect for Anthony, as everyone in the league does. I mean, did it just come down to that where you're looking at it like this? Anthony, we love you, man, but it's all about really evaluating, can we get the best out of Justin Herbert with this staff versus maybe what you did with Brandon Staley, and that's why you came to this decision. Is that kind of what weighed into it a little bit? Well, I mean, let's let's not forget either that Anthony was a big part of us evaluating just when we drafted him. I mean, he was 100% on board with it um, and did a great job as far as giving the coach's point of view of, of the quarterback position, what he saw, what he liked, and he's a big part of that. Um, but as you look for the leader of your football team, it's got to be more than just how they're going to handle the quarterback. It's got to be the whole team, um, and, and that, that's where we are. You know, we didn't hire Brandon just for how he's going to handle um, Justin Herbert. is how he's going to handle the whole team. So – um, but, you know, for us, it just felt like it was the right time for a change. Um, it happens in this league. 
um, happens to all of us. Um, but it's, it's been great. We've basically a, a brand new staff, offense, defense, special teams, and it's brand new schemes on, on all three sides of the ball. And um, at least on offense here, though, since I arrived, we've essentially run the same offense uh, up until this, this coming year. Um, you know, we had Ken Wisenhunt and Frank Reich, Shane Steichen, basically the same offense. And we had Philip Rivers, so that was pretty much pretty normal, um, pretty common. Um, but there's some excitement here. It's, so, it's new, you know, a new feeling on offense, new feeling on defense. Uh, and it's, it's exciting. You know what, too, Tom? I got to tell you, man. I love also the fact that you guys are evaluating and you guys are developing coaches. You know, we, we had Frank Reich on the show a couple of weeks ago. We're going to get Nick Sirianni on in the next couple of days. These guys were all in that coaching staff when you guys were in San Diego. I mean, it's pretty cool to see that, you know, you're looking not only just at the players when you're evaluating, but you're constantly looking at your coaching staff too. So, I mean, all of this really is under your umbrella. It's pretty impressive. Well, we do like to see our front office personnel, our scouts, our coaches. We want to see them move on to bigger and better things. I mean, I got to this position because Bill Pullane liked to see us move on to bigger and better things. So, um, yes, we're all here to win for the Chargers. We understand that. And everyone knows their responsibilities. Um, but we'd also like to develop everybody so they can move on and move up the ladder in their careers. We saw that with with, with, um, yeah, with, with Nick Sirianni, certainly. Um, and, and other coaches that have moved on from here. And that, that's, that's part of this process. I mean, it's, there's a development process to it. Um, there's an individual process to it, and there's a team process. You have to know the difference between the two. I can tell you on our staff right now, and it's a younger staff, we have some really high-level assistant coaches here right now that I think are going to move on to bigger and better things. But right now, obviously, our focus is on this year. Uh, but it's a good staff we have right now. You know, you know, and, and, and I've said this before, too, about, you know, evaluating players and looking at where you are now. There just seems to be like that that new wave guy where you're looking at, can this guy develop an offensive game plan? Can he work with his his offensive coordinator? Can he work with his defensive coordinator? Don't you agree, Tom? One of the biggest problems that young coaches have, and Brandon will face this just like every other coach, including Bill Parcells. How are you helping him go from being an assistant to being a head coach? Because, you know, if it's tough for the player to go from the college ranks to go to the NFL, to go from an assistant to like what you just said, being a delegator with all the responsibilities out there, how are you helping him with that process? Well, the, the one way I can, because I went through the same thing, obviously not as a head coach, but um, as I moved into the GM chair, it's a lot different than being a director of player personnel or being a scout. Um, there's just a lot more on your plate. Uh, so what I can provide to Brandon is really just perspective. Um, I, I don't have all the answers. I know that, but I can't give him perspective of 27 years in the league and seeing a lot of things and seeing different coaches, seeing the Tony Dungeons of the world and Jim Caldwell's and, and Anthony Lynn, and everybody in between. Um, even Marv Levy when I was, you know, a summer intern with the bills, but just give some perspective and resources. That's a lot of the, the GM's job is not just about how much players get paid or the draft. It's really about giving everybody resources to do their job, whether it's the head coach, assistant coaches, whether it's our training room, equipment room, give them what they need to do what they do best. Um, but I can tell you just from, from the short time since Brandon started in January, uh, this job is not, not too big for him at all. He just, he's moved right into it. He can handle a lot of work. He's got great time management skills. Uh, he knows how to handle this job along with handling his family, which we all have on the outside of here. And um, it's been seamless. It's been really, really great to see. You know, I, I had a chance to meet Justin Herbert about two years ago. 
um, at the Pac-12 meetings in Los Angeles. I could not believe the freaking size on this kid. I mean, this dude is a horse. He's got Roethlisberger's size, but he's accurate. And, 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 and yeah, no disrespect to Ben, no shade on Ben, but this kid is accurate. And what I love about Joe Cool, and I'm going to use a Montanaism on him here, we all love Tyrod Taylor. Nobody loved to see what nobody liked what happened last year and how that all happened before the Kansas City game. But somebody taps this kid on the shoulder and goes, "Oh, by the way, you're going to go out." This guy almost freaking beats the Chiefs. Tom, I mean, those for like 350 yards in the game. I'm like, this kid's special. Have you been surprised even with what you saw at Oregon? You know, going back to what you said when you saw him at the at the media day, how big he is. So, um, I'm at the Rose Bowl. And I'm standing on the sidelines during pregame. They hadn't come out yet. And he comes running out of the tunnel with his teammates. And it really hit me, just what you said, how big he really is. Because he's a, he's a great athlete. You can see that. You can see how he moves, how he runs, how smooth he is. But then when you see how big he is to put that combination together, it's really impressive. Um, but as far as last year, I mean, it's a great credit to Justin, obviously. It's a great credit to our coaches because they told him, you know, you do need to be prepared to play. We don't know when that will be. We don't know when that opportunity will be there, but you need to be ready to, to go um, at a moment's notice. And, you know, we didn't think it'd be that early, but it was that early. And he was ready to go. As you saw, he jumped into that game um, in, sh in short notice and uh, had a great game and ended up having a great season. Um, you tell it the players, a lot, of, a lot of young players, you tell them, hey, look, we don't know when your opportunity is going to present itself. We need to be ready for it. Some listen, some don't. Obviously, he listened, and he was ready to go for that game. Your offensive line, um, maybe question marks that were coming out of 2020. How have you addressed that in this offseason? You know, we had three unrestricted free agents on the offensive line coming out of last season, so we had to make decisions. You know, do we sign these guys long-term, um, or do we try and, you know, make some pretty big changes? Now, it's, it's hard. We ended up flipping out, you know, four starters on the offensive line. Very difficult to do. Uh, we had a plan in the offseason. Let, let's let's see how much we can improve the offensive line. Um, didn't know if we'd be able to replace four out of five. Thought it may be a two-year project more than one, but it worked out that we, you know, in one year, um, you know, we've got some some new people up front. We're excited about it. Um, the plan executed well. Second part of the plan is to make sure when they get on the field, everyone can play, right? So, um, but you know, so far so good. We're excited about the group. Uh, both the run game and the pass game is more than just protecting Justin. We got to run the ball better when we have to run it and be more efficient doing that. So, um, you know, that's all part of the plan as well. You know, Tom, I, I had a conversation here like three weeks ago with Kevin Colbert and Kevin told me the Pittsburgh Steelers general manager, he told me that he hadn't been in front of any of his draft choices because of this whole COVID thing. And that when they showed up, was one of the very first times that the entire staff got a chance to be around these guys because of the protocols that were going on with COVID. I don't know. How do you guys evaluate just off of tape, not being around the kids enough because you like to have your hands on the guy, being in front of the guy, talking to the dude, not doing Zoom conference calls. This is pretty remarkable on what the NFL and general managers like yourself had to do with very limited contact with these players. I mean, evaluating for the draft must have been a nightmare. It was different. Uh, you know, it depends where, what your philosophies are. I, I came up a number of years in pro scouting um, before I was a general manager. And in pro scouting, you're only evaluating the tape on players. I mean, I may get you may get one live look at, at, a, at a pro player 
at a game, but it, but in NFL games, you're not allowed to go down to the field and see body types and see them up close. You, you're not allowed to do that. So pro scouting is a lot of just tape. So I'm kind of used to that. Um, now our scouts, yeah, they were, they were home for a lot of the fall. They couldn't get out to colleges. They couldn't talk to coaches face-to-face, couldn't talk to players face-to-face. Uh, the one lucky thing we had, and uh, Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl did a great job running the Senior Bowl, you know, without a hitch, having all those players there. All of our scouts were at the Senior Bowl, so they could at least talk to some players face-to-face. In other words, plexiglass in between, but at least you can get a feel for them right in front of you. So we got a chance to talk to a lot of players there. Uh, but when it comes to trying to find background on football players, I mean, you can talk to them all you want. You may get a little bit of what you need, but you really need to talk to who recruited them, who coached them for three years or four years, talk to all the people they've been around on an every, everyday basis. Um, that's So that's kind of what we concentrated on. But there's no doubt there's a lot of players that came in our building that I had never met face-to-face at all. You know, So it was different, um, but I wasn't worried about it, just a different way to do it. Boy, I'll tell you, a couple more questions here for you, Tom, here. Um, the 2021 season, is this fair to say, and um, I think you know me because I'm a little bit kind of like sneaky on this. I'm going to throw this at you here. Um, is this the best roster that you've put together since you've been general? <laughs> I, I, can't, I don't even know if I can finish it. <laughs> the best roster that you've had since you've been there with the Chargers? You usually ask me to put a letter grade on the roster. And I always tell you I'm not a teacher. So. No, I did that to Jeff Ireland, and yeah. he's the only guy I've had so far that fell for it. You, 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 you knew right away, right out of the gate, that that wasn't that wasn't going to fly. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. You don't you don't know how good you are until you start playing games and see what your record is. So, um, the one thing our philosophy is here, though, is you know we're not just acquiring talent. We're not just signing or drafting players to put them in a portfolio to show people, Hey, look at all, look at all these great players we have. We're trying to build a team. There's a big difference between those two things as far as make sure the players complement, complement each other, their skill sets, the scheme, the culture. So, um, but you know, in the end, we're just all graded on how in the wins and losses, you know, you can look at a roster on paper. It may look great, may not play well. So, um, and I've had that here before. So I thought, there's some teams I thought felt really good about coming out of training camp. We didn't play as well. So obviously the team wasn't as good as I thought. Um, I like where we are right now, but I mean, everyone can say that. So, but we'll see in training camp and we'll get moving. If you want love by a dog, that's what I tell general managers, right? <laughs> hey, one last one here for you. It's got to be cool, man, that, you know, last year through the pandemic, nobody got a chance to see that spectacular stadium that you're going to be playing in in SoFi, and it's the home of the Super Bowl this year. Then you're going to be able to get the fans in the building. And then, really, Tom, I think that's where the Chargers are really going to start building their true fan base now because, like you say, you've acquired all these guys. You've got a Pac-12 guy that's your quarterback who's going to be a superstar. Now you get the fans. This is really, I feel, don't you, a little bit, that this is when the Chargers are really going to make this push in Southern California on being a brand. Yeah, I mean, we, we know this is a long-term build. We understand that. Um, but this is a big market here. So on the football side, I mean, our our business side and and, and uh, social media, community relations, done an incredible job here. I mean, just think about community relations in this area with 18 million people. It's a very difficult job. They've done a great job with that. Football side of it, we need to do our part. You know, part of it is just being an exciting team to watch on the field, especially out here. We want to entertain. We want to put points on the board. Uh, we don't want to play 13 to 10 games with, you know, running the ball 40 times and playing good defense. I mean, Brandon's a defensive coordinator. We're going to play good defense, but we want to play exciting football. Um, and then the stadium itself, the stadium is, is, is amazing. I mean, I've, I've been to every NFL stadium, obviously. I've been to God knows how many college stadiums. 
I don't get that excited about football stadiums. They kind of are what they are. This one's just different. I mean, it really is. It's stunning from, from the inside to the outside. And for the chance for our fans to come in and see the stadium, see an exciting team, and understand, yeah, this is a long-term build. This is going to take time for play, for the fans around here and to kind of fall in love with the team. Um, and that that's our job to do that. And it's, it's a fun to be part of that. Just more you guys on that roster of yours, okay? You've kind of like slacked up a little bit. More you guys lost, on it. We lost Denzel Perryman in free agency. So, yeah, we're, we're down. Yeah, we're down a couple, <laughs> but we'll get it back. Hey, Tom, thank you so much for this, man. I root for you big time. And I think you got one of the best rosters in the AFC. And I'm so looking forward to seeing Justin Herbert. I think the kid is a superstar. Thank you so much for doing this. Anytime, Dan. Thanks for having you me on. You got it, man. That's Tom Telesco, the general manager, our friend of the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll take a brief time out. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. 
Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Silio. Great catching up with our friend Tom Telesco, the general manager of the Chargers. I got great, great feelings about that football team this coming 2021 season. I think they got the signal caller. You know what was really wild meeting Justin Herbert two years ago? I mean, the kid was so... The kid was so like, you know, you can always tell when someone has that it factor. And I was fortunate enough to have my friend coach him. And he's been on our program, um, Mario Cristobal, who's the head football coach at Oregon. He told me, he flat out said, he goes, Shills, this kid's special, man. Everybody gravitates to him. He's a quick learner. He is a guy that everyone just wants to go to the mat for. His teammates love him. And you could see that resonating now when he takes the field for the Chargers. You know, how he got to play was really one of the weirdest stories. So Tyrod Taylor, I guess, hurt his ribs in the week previous. I could be wrong on the type of injury, but he got hurt and he took an injection. They, by mistake, punctured his lung, right? Like two hours before the game. And he couldn't go, obviously. And, and, and know this. I am praying for great success for Tyrod Taylor in Houston. I think Tyrod Taylor is one of the players in this league. Here's another guy that everyone just absolutely loves and wants to see have great success. Teddy Bridgewater is another guy up in Denver. You know, you're just kind of on that shelf where people are always looking to replace you. Tyrod's got a Pro Bowl, too, to his name when he was up in Buffalo. And a lot of guys that I know that work around him and have worked around him say he's just a quality guy. And how that whole thing happened, he gets his lung punctured. And I was talking to Tom about this a year ago. All of a sudden, they go to Herbert like an hour and 30 minutes. Get this. Know this. This shows you how backup quarterbacks are prepared when they get the call that they may have to go in on short notice. They went right over to Justin and told him, said, hey, looks like you're going to have to go because there's a medical issue here with Tyrod. You're going to have to go. And it was against the defending world champion Chiefs. And I asked Tom, I go, what, what, was his, what was his demeanor? He's like, okay, I'm ready. Kid goes out there and throws for over 300 yards in that ball game, and I thought he was going to beat the Chiefs. And I swear to God, I did this when I came away from that game. I tuned that game on because I wanted to see how he would play. I could not believe how accurate, how big an arm he has. I couldn't believe how he moved around in the pocket. And you know why? When we were talking to Tom and I was talking to him about how he's got a lot of Roethlisberger about him, he slides in the pocket so well. Look, he's not going to. He's not going to kill you when it comes to running 40-yard dashes. He is more of an athlete than you think. I saw him at Oregon, especially in that Rose Bowl game. I saw him running. He's a pretty athletic kid. I, I agree with Tom. I cannot believe the size of this guy. I mean, he is an absolute beast when you stand next to him. Look, I'm 6'1". He makes me look like I'm 5'4". I mean, he's a big dude, man. I may post that picture of, of us at the Pac-12 uh, meetings a couple years ago. But he moves around in the pocket so well. He slides. And he's looking to create passing lanes. That's a guy that's got an understanding of the pocket. Do you know how many guys don't have an understanding of the pocket that come out of college today that have to basically be retaught 
how you play the position. For instance, okay, so Jordan Love up in Green Bay. Do you know that Jordan Love at any time in his career, when he was at Utah State, never took a snap under center? Think of that for a minute. He never took a snap under center. You basically have to just start taking snaps again as an NFL quarterback. And what is the biggest difference for a quarterback like a Justin Herbert or a Jordan Love coming from the college ranks to the NFL? You see, in college, you know how people hold those signs up on the sidelines and they're giving you plays? When you're an NFL quarterback, you have to know where to throw the ball. See, you're given a play in in the NFL as a quarterback in the league. You're given a play. But if a defense throws a different scheme at you in that process, you've got to be able to take the intel and the week of practice and all the audibles and everything that you were taught during that week in your game preparation, and you've got to process it like this. This is why this, I say this to you, the Wonderlick test, in my opinion, it's really not that important for any other position because the other positions, you're telling a guy where to line up and what to do on a technique. When you're a quarterback, you got to think on your feet. Strong safety's up, okay? Does that mean that I'm going to go to the slot or does that mean I have my running back? Maybe I move my running back over into the weak side here in case there's a, a blitzing outside linebacker. You've got to think all of this on your feet at one time. And that's why the great linebackers and the great defenses, you notice what they do now? They don't go to their positions. They stand kind of in the middle of the field because you know what you don't want to do? You don't want to give the quarterback a heads up of what the defense is going to be so that he can set the free safety. You're trying to do everything you can. Jonathan Vilma told me that that's a new trend in the NFL, that what Peyton Manning used to do, remember the – times when he would holler Omaha, Omaha, that's his audible. And he was audibling out of the play as he was watching the linebacker. And when the linebacker, because remember something, when it gets to five seconds, okay, Peyton had to snap the ball. Then Jonathan Vilma would call the defense and they would go to their defense. That's how the Saints beat that Colts team in the Super Bowl. Jonathan Vilma actually outthought Peyton Manning in that game. That's why you were like this. How is he throwing the ball? to that position. How is he getting it there like that? And how is Vilma in that defense? That's because they were setting him up like that. When you're a quarterback coming out of college, you don't know any of that. That's why when you're watching a guy like Patrick Mahomes do the things that he's doing as a young player, it's unbelievable. For him to be able to tell you, you know, I'm just starting to learn to read uh, defenses now. That's scary. That's absolutely scary. That he's now telling you, well, you know, I'm now learning that, you know, the free and strong here, and especially when we're on the weak side of the field here, I can audible out, go to my Y or Z, and I can line my tight end up now on the scene. And you're going like this. You're listening to him actually get smarter and going through the process of using his athleticism and now using his brain on being able to move people around. Because you know what these coordinators do in the NFL? Once they get a book on you, And maybe this is a little bit what happened to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, his first two years, you're like this. The reason why he got that contract extension. You're watching him and you're going like this. Wow. This kid really looks like he's somebody special. And then what happened? D coordinators put a book on you. And they put that book on you. 
And all of a sudden, they started seeing some of the things. You hold on to the ball a little too much. You float back in the pocket. He does some technical things that Frank's going to fix in Indy that nobody was fixing in Philly. He holds the ball too long. And you know what he does, too? He, you can tell he goes to his mouth before he snaps the ball. Everyone knows it's a pass. Dude, stop giving little hints away that are telling us what the play is going to be. Every quarterback has mannerisms because everybody resorts to them when they're nervous. Quarterback, how many quarterbacks you see do this? Dude, I know you're going to throw the ball. Little tiny things like that, okay? Not, 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 not looking across the field, looking to one side. Look into one side. Linebackers see that. They'll slide their front, strong side, weak side. Watch the inside gap. Watch the, watch the five hole. They're coming over the five hole. They're coming up. We talk out there because we're looking for any kind of tips. When you see offensive linemen sitting back in their stance, you see another guy leaning forward. It's going to be a trap play inside. You know it's going to come up the middle. You're telling your linebackers the same. Everybody's communicating out there. You don't get to hear that. Now, you did a little bit last year because of all the things that were going on with COVID. But, yeah, man. And this kid getting circling back to Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert saw it all, man. And I didn't think he was this good coming out of Oregon. Then again, I didn't think Patrick Mahomes was that good coming out of Texas Tech. I mean, really? Texas Tech, right? We're talking a little bit about, you know, where, you know, that's not really a powerhouse place. When it comes to Billy Joe Tolliver, I can't really name you any other guys that went in the first round out of that joint. So, I mean, not a lot of players have come out of that you know school and certainly nobody like Mahomes. But the one thing some of these guys have, you have to be exceptionally gifted like Mahomes or you have to be smart and you have to be gifted. And I think this kid, Justin Herbert, may actually be that guy. All right. Top of the hour, I want to hit on this new 12-game playoff. Okay, we'll do that at the top of the hour. This new 12-game, or excuse me, this new 12-team playoff that the college football bowl people are putting together. You know, I just it, it it's just more cash. We'll do that at the top of the hour. So the latest on Deshaun Watson here. Deshaun Watson's going around telling his ex-teammates, he calls them that. He's not quite yet an ex-Houston Texan. But he's telling everybody he wants to play in Denver. That's the storyline going around now, is that he wants to play in Denver. Um, this is almost the same kind of stuff. Now, it's not directly from the players, so it's not tampering. Like when Julio Jones went on a talk show and was talking to the host saying, I want out of here. That was not in the best interest of the player, and that was not in the best interest of the Atlanta Falcons nor was it in the best interest of the team that was negotiating the Tennessee Titans and trying to consummate a deal. You don't ever want to do your business in public. Just tell the Packers that. Someone needs to tell the Packers that. So he's now making it very clear that he wants to. Now, why would he want to play in Denver? I do think Denver's got commodities. Judy's up there. You now just went out in the draft and got Patrick Sertain the second as well. So you now have components around that football team that can immediately win. I think the Broncos have everything figured out except one thing, of course, the quarterback spot. 
You know, one thing that for sure that John Elway has not been able to do, and that is draft a quarterback. Paxton Lynch sucked. This Drew Locke kid sucks. Name me a guy that he's brought into that. Brock Osweiler. Name me a dude that this guy has drafted since he's been the president. Now, he's not the GM of the team any longer. I understand that. But this guy is as bad as Pat Riley drafting for the Miami Heat. They're not very good drafts, especially at the most important position the quarterback's by. Isn't that weird? But then again, look at Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's not the greatest executive, but you know what he is great at, Pat Riley? Picking up the phone and talking to LeBron James, right? John Elway picking the phone up and talking to a guy like Peyton Manning. That's where his strength is. Rodgers in Denver, be a grand slam. Deshaun Watson in Denver, be a grand slam. Because Elway would put a winning team around him. All right. I want to hit on this 12-team playoff that college football playoff system just came out with today. We'll hit on that next hour two. Dallas Diamond Page also to join us in hour two. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. 
It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. National Football Show with your boy Dan Silio. God, we are just loaded, man. No, not that kind of loaded. At least not yet. <laughs> right? God, football season never ends, man. It just never ends. There's so much going on in the world of football, college and pro. Storylines every day. And that's one thing football has done in this country. It's taken baseball off the map. You know, that used to be America's pastime. You, you, you know what America's pastime is today? UFC, WWE, football. The rest of these sports, unfortunately, are filler. And I've come to the grips. That's exactly what's on the shelves that people want to hear, people want to consume, is football. You, you know what's sad? You know, I, I was talking to Krause about the run that the Sixers are on now. And Joel Embiid is one of the absolutely best basketball players on the planet. He really is. I mean, I would say this to you. Joel Embiid is a better Patrick Ewing. This guy could shoot threes. He's a phenomenal player. And I have great respect for what Patrick Ewing was at both Georgetown and also with the Knicks. I think Joel Embiid's better. But when you're in a city like Philadelphia or here, a city like Boston, you know, they like their Celtics, but they love their Patriots. In New York, Knicks win. That's kind of big news. But when the Giants win or, God forbid, the Jets win, huge news. Okay? Football, it's very seldom that you have a city where a basketball or baseball team is your biggest property. Look, St. Louis, obviously, because there's no NFL team there any longer, the Cardinals will always be in that conversation. But in Chicago, here's a great example. Chicago and Philadelphia, in my opinion, these are two blue-collar blue cities that kind of really resemble each other. Two phenomenal sports cities, too. In Chicago, they've got the Cubs and the White Sox and the Bulls and the Hawks, right? Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup. Does it matter? Yeah. Watch this. On a scale of 1 to 10 in Chicago, Hawks win the Cup. Five. Bulls win the NBA title. Four. Cubs win the World Series. Seven. White Sox win the World Series. Six. Bears win the Super Bowl. Ten. And it's not a conversation. Hey, as great as Michael Jordan is revered in that town, that 85 Bears team, <laughs> okay? Walter Payton, okay? All those guys. Let's take a look at Philly. Scale of 1 to 10, importance to fans. Ready? Phillies. Okay, when they win... 
five. Seven, uh, 76ers. Six. If they go on and win the NBA championship with Doc Rivers, it'll be worth about two weeks of conversation because we're getting into July camp. Kind of buried the lead there a little bit. Flyers. Tick up. Maybe seven. Okay. Or now they're probably right there with the Sixers. Phillies are like low, low man on the totem pole here. Probably five in the fans, like caring barometer here. You get the Eagles winning a Super Bowl, dude. Or hell, even getting to the Super Bowl, man. That's a 10 plus 10. It, 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 they bury those. Watch this. I sit, I sit around here and I start talking about Bryce Harper and how that guy hasn't delivered anything yet. You know what people say? Hey, silly, oh, I don't care either. I want to know what Jalen Hurts is going to do this coming fall. They got more caring on, watch this, who do you think Philly dude talks more about today? Jalen Hurts or Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper makes $34 million a year. Common sense, man, in some of these cities. Football has just absolutely taken over in many of these cities. Watch this. In Miami, you think the Heat or the sorry-ass Marlins have any kind? I worked in that city. Okay, Miami? I did sports talk radio down there. They could care. LeBron was down there. It kind of made it interesting. With no LeBron James, do you know what Heat? When they got to the finals last year, you know what that did? It was like a six. The Marlins got to the playoffs. You know what that did? That was like a four. Nobody likes Marlins baseball. The the Panthers, kind of. They had 17,000 at the BB&T Center when they were taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was pretty impressive. Six. But Dolphin football, man, that's a 10. It's a 10, the importance of football today. Football is America's pastime now, okay? Especially NFL football. College football, it's turned into the annual Clemson, Alabama Invitational every year. And that's where I'm going to next. So there's now going to be a 12-team playoff that the college football playoff committee is now going to come up with here. Jesus criminy. Rich get richer. That's all this is going to lead to. This is not, and I guess uh, conference champions, the power five, I think four of them are going to get like buys. If you have the top four teams, they get buys. Jesus, criminy. Bottom line is when you got a committee selecting anything, it's a beauty pageant. She looks really great. No, I'm not there for Miss Arkansas. At, um, it's like the uh, Miss America pageant. I'm going to pick my 12 contestants okay instead of having these guys play themselves into it and they'll swear to you they do that's not the case there's unbalanced schedules all over the country okay and and for the record now now that they're going to expand the college playoff you could lose a game if you're bama now you know those games for that they play with the citadel by the way why do you think alabama plays those games i and i hear the stupid ass media people saying that, you know, why would why do they play games like this, Tennessee, Chattanooga, or they play uh, the Citadel in the middle of their schedule? No, actually not. It's 
it's maybe even right before the Auburn game or sometimes even after the Auburn game. Why do you think they do that? See, you can't ram this down people's throats because they don't understand what competition is, nor do they understand how competitive the Southeastern Conference is. So check. here's why Alabama will have Citadel there. Watch this. Leading up to that Auburn game, which is the Iron Bowl, which is probably to this day, you could make the argument it's the biggest rivalry in college football. Name me another one that's competitive. Michigan-Ohio State's not competitive. USC-UCLA, it's not competitive. Washington-Washington State, I think I just said it just by naming those two teams. Give me another rivalry that compares to Auburn-Alabama. Any one of them. Florida State-Miami used to be. But I'll go with Krause here. Hey, man, that was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, that was. Today? The point is, every year, Auburn, Alabama matters. Someone's going to win a national title. Someone's going to get an opportunity to go to the SEC championship game. Someone's going to get a chance to go to a big bowl game that has big money around it. And here's why Alabama, and by the way, I'm going to get to this 12-team playoff here and why Bama's probably going to maybe exchange that Citadel game, but why they do play it. So leading up to that Auburn game, you're going to be doing this. Watch this. Kentucky, Texas A&M, Tennessee, South Carolina, Georgia. Then you roll into, right before, if you don't have that Citadel game, then you're going to roll into Auburn. Look at those teams I just mentioned. The Floridas of the world, the Georgias, the Tennessees, the South Carolinas, the LSUs. You got to play LSU and A&M. In the West, that's a given. You got to play them dudes every year. You're playing LSU and you're playing. I'm just telling you, man. Okay. And if you get to the SEC championship game, then you got to play another top team like Florida or Georgia. So having that Citadel, you know what it is? It's a chance to breathe. See, when I played at Miami, we would do this we'd play Auburn. We've played Florida. We would turn around and we would play Oklahoma. Then we'd play Florida State. We were an independent then, and we played all them teams in a row. We didn't have weeks off. We didn't have one of those like roadkill teams like Citadel. We didn't believe in playing that stuff. We were going to line up the very best football teams that were in the country, and we were going to go play 60 and beat the piss out of you. That's how we won games. That's how we created that aura about the U. That's why they make movies about us. ESPN's got three 30 for 30s about us for a reason. I ain't see anything on Alabama Krause yet. I don't see any 30 for 30s, man. I know this. I'm in three of them things. And they made it for a reason. Because we play teams like that. Hey, I'm telling you, man, all kidding aside, Alabama's doing the same stuff we did. Okay? But they're just winning with one coach now. Remember, we won five national titles, too. Ohio State stole that one in the Fiesta Bowl. We'd have six. Okay? Difference between our dynasty and what Nick's doing. We did have a little bit of swings in there. Nick's doing it progressively, man, every year, man. Now he's got the number one team projected going into the 2021 season. The only respite I'm getting out of this 
is the fact that they lost everybody in that offensive huddle, including the coordinator. So I think Alabama is a spectacular program. So, okay, they're probably going to get rid of this Citadel game because you're going to be okay if you lose. Maybe you have one non-conference game now because of this 12-team playoff. So that means now you'll end up playing a team like Miami, FSU, somebody like that, and maybe you can build up a rivalry. Because you know, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see Oklahoma, Nebraska brought back or Texas, Texas A&M brought back. Bring some of those old rivalry games that sparks an interest again. The problem that's happened with the college football playoff, it's become the annual event for Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. They've got to do what's in the best interest for college football to get more eyeballs on the national championship game. How do you do that? Are they in the right direction by expanding? They're only in the they're only they're only in the right direction if you're awarding teams that are not just from this power conference. And the power conferences like the SEC, the ACC, and some of these other big conferences like the Pac-12. You've got to open it up to Conference USA. You've got to open it up to Mountain West. You've got to be able to allow a BYU into the conversation. I've said this before to you guys. You know the last time a non-Power 5 team won the national championship? It was BYU in 84. They have never had a non-Power 5 team play for the national championship since 1984, and not one has won it since 1984. You really believe that you think that this 12-team playoff, that the dumbasses at the college football playoff committee are now going to put together here are going to resolve that case and have somebody like Cincinnati or Boise State or someone else? When we're talking about getting more visible eyeballs on the television set, you think you're going to put an undefeated Boise State in a national championship game and think you're going to get eyeballs on that game, not in your life. You could have a 50-team playoff, is my point, and they're never going to put a program that no one's ever heard of in the national championship setting. You're never going to see it. Could one sneak into this 12-team playoff? Maybe. Just to validate themselves. But you're not going to because what is now generating the revenue for these programs today. TV. I brought this up a couple days ago to you. The Southeastern Conference went out and got a $350 million loan. And what they did was, because of COVID-19, they stroked a check to every single sports program in the SEC, which is 10 schools. All 10 institutions got $25 million. That's unheard of to cover some of the damages of COVID. Do you know what they're doing in the Pac-12? They're canceling wrestling. They're canceling women's tennis. You know what they're doing at Michigan State? They're doing the same thing. They're canceling programs because the funding from the revenue last year was just swallowed up. Do you know how much money a school like Michigan State, and I'm just going to throw Michigan State because Kevin Frazier told me this, and he told me this a couple of months ago. Michigan State lost $75 million because they didn't go to the NCAA tournament and because 
they didn't have enough money and enough games covered when it came to last year's Big Ten games. They lost $75 million. There's 14 teams in the Big Ten. You add that up, you're talking nearly $2 billion worth of revenue that conference has lost. How do you make that up? SEC, those guys, they're like the Premier League, like I said. So the point is, once again, man, I don't care how many teams you expand to. This is a cash register. The conferences that are going to get richer, watch this. Okay, so you have a 12-team playoff. Well, how many teams from the SEC last year do you think deserve to be in that? Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Could have made the comment, uh, Texas A&M. I got four right there off the top of my head. Four off the top of my head that I went like this. Well, those four already. Hell, you got four from there already from the SEC. And I could probably put two more in there. Look, watch this. A nine and three SEC team versus a nine and three Big Ten team. Who are you going with? I got to play Kentucky and Georgia and LSU every week. And you're playing Northwestern, Indiana, and Rutgers and Maryland every week. Are you nuts? I'm not taking that team. That means it gets to be on the political side here. All right. We're going to switch gears here. And I told you this before. When we first opened this bad puppy up, we told Big Joe and we told Krause and now our boy Cal that we get two type of folks on this team, football people and wrestlers. These are the two things I did. And I will tell you flat out, wrestling was one of the toughest things I had ever done in my entire life. I had never been beat up the way I was. I had never done the amount of damage that I did wrestling. And I did it for about three years. I wrestled WCW and I also wrestled overseas with uh, C, uh, CWA with Otto Wants' group. And I did wrestling in Japan with Antonio Noki. And I will tell you this, man, that was some of the toughest stuff I ever did. We're going to talk to Dallas Diamond Page, and he's got the DDP yoga. And I'm telling you, it's a game changer for those out there that are struggling with arthritis and all kinds of afflictions. He is a WWE Hall of Famer. We'll do that next. I'll tell you a little bit about my journey in the wrestling world. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods. 
the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. We are going to have a special guest joining us here in a couple minutes. DDP, Dallas Diamond Page is going to join us. DDP Yoga, one of the absolute game changers for those who struggle with pain out there. Arthritis, we'll talk all about it, his journey. I love what they're doing with the A&E series. And they're talking about all these legendary WWE guys and all the legendary wrestlers. And they're talking about their journeys and such. And, you know, I dabbled in that a little bit i'll never forget getting the call from like cowboy bob orton and cowboy bob orton called me you know and a couple of my friends who are crazy guys okay they ended up saying i think this guy silly would be perfect for you guys man this guy's nuts this guy's like a 600 pound bencher i mean he's just a freak and so cowboy bob and ole anderson they came down to orlando to see me and Razor Ruddick, who became friends of mine, Scott Hall, and I were friends. And he's like, hey, Bob, you got to look at this guy. Now, Razor had just left WCW, and he had gone to WWF at the time. Now it's WWE. And so I got all these endorsements from these guys. I told you before I was friends with Leon White, who was Big Van Vader. And they said, you got to do it. So they had this gym in Atlanta. And I think it was called the powerhouse. And at the powerhouse, they put all their prospects. I think they gave me like even $900 or $1,000 a week. I signed this contract with WCW and I was off and running. 
And I was, man, I had never gone through going off those ropes. And I kind of briefly touched on it yesterday. There's these giant cables that, like, it looks like those ropes are, like, rubber bands. That ain't the case, man. Then when you go through all of the bumps that you have to go through, you are a crash dummy when you're a professional wrestler. I've said this before. One of the greatest guys in the history of bumps and putting a show on is Cactus Jack. McFoley's insane with the things that he would do to put a show over or put a wrestler over. It was incredible. And so I got a chance to go through this uh, before they put me on the road in Atlanta or in like Athens would be like where they would put some of the young guys. They sent me overseas to WCW or to uh, WCW sent me to CWA and I started wrestling with big Otto wants. I'm wrestling over there in Graz, Germany, and I went to Bonn. I went to Frankfurt. We ended up wrestling in Berlin. We wrestled pretty much all over Europe. It was, I spent the entire summertime in Europe wrestling with Big Otto. And in that time, I wrestled for the uh, European heavyweight champion against Rambo. Um, I lost. I ended up having a partner in one of the Road Warriors, Road Warrior Hawk. He came over and wrestled. I even think they brought him. Um, Otto and the Giant were great friends. Big Otto wants and and Andre the Giant were friends, and I, I'd never seen anything on the planet as big as what I saw Andre the Giant. And Andre was just a super dude, man. What an absolute great guy to be around. Would always buy everything in the building. He took care of all the younger wrestlers. He was such a great time, just a great time to be around. But I will tell you this, man. That thing takes its toll on you. Now, you got to remember, I had a seven-year pro football career. So in that process of that seven-year pro football career, I started doing the wrestling. And, man, and the wrestling just finished me off. It really did. It, it, it just absolutely finished me off. And, man, I, I still to this day, I can't believe that some of those guys who end up going in there and doing that stuff for 20 years like they did, and how they ended up like still standing up, not having any kind of like, you know, health that could really give them like a, a, a great, great, great sustaining. I wrestled for a little bit, man, with Big Otto wants over in Europe. And then I saw with Antonio Noki. These wrestlers, I have nothing but the fabulous respect for them. I'm friends with Rock, as you know. Let's bring in one of the legendary Hall of Famers himself, DDP. Dallas Diamond Page, he joins us here on the National Football <laughs> Show. DDP, how you doing, brother? <laughs> Pretty good. Or or Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> <laughs> hey, da Dallas, let me ask you this, man. You know, I I I told everyone when I was when I was getting involved in it, Cowboy Bob Orton called me and Ole Anderson called me. And I went to this thing called the Powerhouse Gym in Atlanta. That's where I kind of like started like cutting my chops. Sure. I had played seven years in the, and, and, and pro football. What you guys go through, the amount of pain that you guys go through, the toll that it must have taken on your body, 
this is one of the things, right, Dallas, that why we have now DDP yoga is because of the pain that you went through. Was this the inspiration for you? Well, yeah. And you had to also remember, Danny, I didn't start wrestling until I was 35 and a half. So like, I didn't even wow. get in the ring. I didn't even get in the ring to, to train. And I tried it when I was 23. It didn't work out for me. I had three matches. The crazy part is somebody actually sent me. I got I to gotta show this to you. A guy sent me this, and I don't know where the hell he found it, but it was in 1979. I had a total of three matches. This is one. Let me see where he, get, this go. is one of them. Look at 1979, handsome Dallas Page. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just got it like a couple months ago. I was like, how did they even find it? So I took a picture of it so I wouldn't lose it. Um, but I had three matches. Didn't work out for me because I I'd hurt my knee on my third match. And I just got pulled into the bar business. And the booze of bras in the party took me at a different level for a while. Then I, when I came back in, uh, I was running a huge club in Fort Myers, Florida. And I came in as a manager and eventually became a color commentator. And I did that for three and a half, four years, making no money. And then finally got my chance to go to WCW. And they let me manage and do color for about nine months. And I had about seven months left of my contract. And they told me that I couldn't manage anymore because of the hair and the bling and the clothes and the diamond dolls and the rap. I was overshadowing the wrestlers. So basically, I was too over the top as a manager for <laughs> professional wrestling. I don't even know how that's possible, but I was. And... It really, it, I had seven months left to my contract and I, I made, you know, I always wanted to be a wrestler since I was a kid and I never got in the business to be a manager or color commentator. So I was like, I'm going down there. I got seven months left to my contract. What are they going to do? They All they can do is let me go at the end of seven months. And somehow I stayed on the roster and I was there for about a year and a half and I tore my rotator cuff and they let me go and I still came back. And my career started to take off when I was 40. But I got to tell you, those first couple of months down at the power plant where you were talking about, every time I hit that ring, all oh. I could think about was, man, this fake stuff hurts like hell. <laughs> I, 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 Dallas, I kept telling every, they kept telling me this, and I forget the guy who was training me. It was one of the, the guys that was in the ring. He kept going, you're going to build a calcium up on your uh, arm. I go, are you kidding me? That thing's a cable. And I started sounding like I was soft. Hey, this math <laughs> hard. And I'm sitting here going like, I tell everybody, you know, Leon was a friend of mine, Big Van, all these guys, friends of yours, obviously. And I tell them, I go, I don't care what anyone says. Professional wrestling is the toughest thing I ever did. And I played professional football and I can't tell you enough. I don't want to hear anything about fake because I'll tell you what. Hitting those mats and hitting those ropes and hitting that floor, there ain't nothing fake about yeah. that. By the way, let yeah. me ask you this. Do you like what's going on on A&E? I saw you on some of those things. Do you like all the how they're showing you guys' journeys? Uh, you know, I do. You know, I think that it, the, the, the business is constantly changing. I love the time where we really owned the cable internet, you know, as far as the cable networks. Uh, with the Monday Night Wars, what they're doing today, 
you know, it, it's just a different style and it works for these kids today. So, you know, for me, you know, Cody Rhodes, I've been mentoring him since he was 12 years old and uh, we talk all the time. Uh, I love seeing what he's doing and he has a lot to do with the creative end there. So, uh, you know, it's any place for wrestling is like everywhere now. Like it's not just wrestling shows. You got, you know, the dark side of wrestling. You also got the dark side of the NFL now, the dark oh, side yeah. of football. Um, but you got um, A&E doing these documentaries. They've got these lost treasure shows. I mean, people love, you know, a lot of people love what we did. And we, we connected them at a certain level. And one of the things you asked me earlier was, you know, because of all the pain, is that where DDP yoga comes from? The main thing is, like, I'm a guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga the first 42 years of my life. But at 42, that's where I got the big payoff. I, my career took off when I was 40. That 40, I was in 96, 97, and 98. I was on top of the world, headlining one pay-per-view after another, headlining one Monday Nitro after another main event. And then I finally signed a multi-million dollar three-year deal. And then I ruptured my L4 and L5. You might as well say I broke my back. Oh, yeah. And I was, I was told that I was done. And that's when I would do anything. Just like, you know, my buddy uh, uh, Ben Garland plays for the 49ers, uh, offensive guard. He just had an accident where, you know, he was hiking and he fell down this, this hill and screwed up his body. He's doing everything he can to get back so he can still play football. Because, you know, you want to live the dream as long as you can. And at that point, I took up yoga. It really helped me, but it wasn't giving me everything. So I mixed it with rehab and old school calisthenics and something I call dynamic resistance. In less than three months, I was back in the ring. At 42, those doctors said my career's over. At 43, I got that heavyweight world title back there. And that's like our Oscar, you know? I got to say this to you, DDP. And I'm going to throw this out there for everybody. And you know what? I'm going to go a little dark here with you. One of the reasons why I think this is awesome here for what you're going to do with people, arthritis, any kind of issues that you have with your yoga, how you and I dealt with it, or I'm not going to put this here. I'll put it on me. Percocets, Percodance, oh, um, no, every kind of drug. <laughs> hey, every kind of drug that they could I could take for my pain, I would. I, as I move forward, I'm looking for vehicles not to be involved with any drugs whatsoever because I see what it's done to my friends. Okay, I see the task that it took away, that it took maybe some of their life away. That's where I say that this is inspirational. I watched your, um, I watched your video you sent me of the military guy who was a pair right. um, who was a parachute guy. And yeah. to see that he couldn't walk and to see how that was so inspirational on how you got him back up and going here, just believing that this thing could work. I think that's got to be as big as that award behind you, watching people just being able to stand up and start walking again, just by using your philosophy of what you're, you're teaching with DDP yoga. You know, it really is. It's pretty amazing. If anybody's watching who you know, remembers Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, there's a documentary that my company, we filmed the entire journey. Like with Arthur, he did all the filming. And that video, 
literally at this point we can track it to over a billion views that's wow. how inspirational that video is and if you want to see what that that video just go to ddpyoga.com and go to the bottom there's a video of arthur um because he's like our poster boy because he, he proves that anything's possible if you have a low impact workout that won't just help you but heal you and help you get back on track and for jake it was a beat up body you know he wrestled since he was 20 years old he wrestled into his late 40s early 50s and was seriously crippled up but he was coke crack booze pills he was addict to everything and i brought him into my house and we filmed the whole thing and over the next 18 months when you see the transformation that jake went through and we brought scott hall aka razor ramon dear friend not, yeah he was also knocking on that's door at the time and helped both of those guys turn their lives around pretty powerful man you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you a story here. I was friends with both the Road Warriors, and when I was over in uh, uh, CWA with Otto, um, Hawk came over. Man, DDP, I wish I knew you then because he was in such bad shape, man. I mean, he just wasn't in very good shape, and you could tell that just to get up to do shows, man, he was doing things just to get his body going and, to you know, it, 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 I think people don't, I mean, they think it's always about kissing cheerleaders and cash and paychecks. They yeah. don't know what that stuff is behind the scenes. And we just lost animal, you know, yeah, a couple uh, months ago, man. I mean, you know, he was on his honeymoon too. His wife told me the whole thing. It was just absolute brutal. When you look back and you think where you are today, how lucky you are to still be standing here with all the things that you went through in your life and watching your friends, it's gotta be pretty remarkable that you're sitting here right now telling the stories of really, really a journey that led you through really maybe some dark times. Yeah. I, the, the big thing with me, and I was really surprised that animal, you know, left this earth as early as he did. Cause you know, Joe was, I mean, he was in good shape and he wasn't re he didn't do all the negative things that so many of the boys have done. And, and there's so many guys that died so early, like before they're 50, like so many, and a lot of that had to do with what you were just talking about, the painkillers and the muscle relaxers, you know, and then, you know, they don't work as well. Like, I'll never forget. I was out with Jake because Jake, I always say without Dusty Rhodes, there is no Diamond Dallas Page. But without Jake Snake Roberts being my mentor, uh, there's no three-time world champion or Hall of Fame. You know, Jake gave me the wisdom that would have taken years to, you know, to really, you know, achieve. But one of the first times we were out, you know, because we were drinking, you know, around, you know, a lot of the guys drank a lot back then. And I was one of them. And one night I seen him put a pill in his mouth and chew it up. And I said to him, did you just put a Percocet in your mouth and chew it up? <laughs> you know? And he went, yeah. I go, why would you do that? Those things taste horrible. Oh. He said, well, you wanted to get right to your bloodstream. So you chew on it. Then it goes right yeah. to your brain. And I go, how many of them? How many? How many was that? He said, "I don't know, nine, ten. Oh. You know, I know guys who took twenty, thirty. Oh you know, gosh. and you you combine that with booze, and then it's a different high. And when I heard him say that, I'm thirty six at the time, and 
I I'd lost. I, I tore my rotator cuff. I was I was almost thirty seven, and and I was out with Jake and on the road, and I'm thinking I'm almost thirty seven years old. I need those painkillers to work. So I didn't. I may have taken a few here and there and drank, but if I was taking the painkillers, I wouldn't drink it because I wanted them. I didn't want to have to take two and three and four and five. And there's times where I did, and I needed them to work because I needed to work. And you know what people don't really realize, you know, over this last year and a half. With COVID, everybody's been home and only working TV. But when COVID is over, which is on the tail end of it, hopefully, and everybody's getting ready to start going out working the road, well, you're on the road 25 days a month, hmm. like on the road and bumping and like one match. Like if I'm in the main event going 20 minutes plus, that's like anywhere from four to eight car accidents. That's what it's like. And it's crazy. Ric Flair said it once. He said, it's crazy what your body can get used to. Again, without, I, I just, I was just down at Bio Accelerator in Medellin, Colombia. And what I did, what I went there for was stem cells. I got them in my shoulders in my knees. Uh, I got them in my spine, lower lumbar, and my neck. For that, they put you out. And I got bruises on my back of my neck from going in with the needles and putting the uh, stem cells in. But this, this was my flexibility, complete flexibility before I left her. That was good for me. Now, I got that and that. That's uh, that's almost immediate. My shoulder, which is really bothering me, bothers me about maybe thirty percent what it did before. My left knee, which was really bothering me, bothered me about maybe twenty percent of what it was before I left. And that's again, that's immediate. And for me personally, I've never seen my MRIs. They had MRIs on both shoulders both knees, my neck, my back, they couldn't understand how I was even moving around because I've got so many tears in each shoulder, in each knee. There's no, like I have no discs. There, it's like, it's, it's so dark between L4 and L5, but L3 and L2 as well. And they couldn't believe my mobility. The reason I have the mobility is because I do DDPY six days a week. And when I'm doing it, I'm constantly breaking up that scar tissue, that arthritis that's rushing to my fingers, rushing to my shoulders, rushing to my knees. And what I found is right before I went for the stem cells, I wake up, I go, to, I go right to a hyperbaric chamber. I own a 15 PSI, which means 40 feet below sea level. That in 15 is like, when you get the 12 PSI, it's not just rushing the, the oxygen through your body and healing you at a cellular level. It's also taking it to your brain because at 12 PSI, that's where it breaks the, the blood brain barrier and starts to oxidize your brain. Every single guy who's ever played in the NFL 
at any point in time, especially any of the guys on the line who've been hitting the head a billion times, they should have one, especially these kids today, because they can afford it. But the other guys, they can't really afford it because it's a very expensive item. But who cares how healthy your body is if your brain's not? So I'm preparing for, I just turned 65. I'm preparing for 75, 85, 95, even 105. I'm not throwing anything away. <laughs> I want to make sure my brain is tight, though. So when I went down there to Medellin, the, the, doc, the doctors at BioAccelerator was like, wow, I cannot believe with as, as screwed up as your body is, how much mobility you have and how much strength. And it just comes down to doing a workout that's no impact, that breaks up scar tissue to alleviate pain, create mobility, and a whole different level of core strength. Like you can see here talking to you for the last 10 minutes here straight, standing still at 65 and six foot four, I could take either foot, huh. take it out, put it in front of your face, or pull it over my head and have a conversation with you. That's wow. core strength. That's, That's core awesome. Strength. Hey, That's man. That's at a different level, bro. Dude, that is great flexibility, man. Holy and core cow, strength. Have you, been, have you been working on this stuff here? Way to go, Dallas. That's awesome. Let me ask you, man. Um, The, the, the wrestling business today, do you think it's in a good place? Um, I think I don't, I don't think it's in a bad place. I think it's in a good place as far as the attention on wrestling. Um, you know, The Rock is the biggest star in the world. The biggest. Gets paid $30 million per movie. He's one of us. He kind of changed the blueprint for us. John Cena, A-list actor. Um, uh, Dave Bautista, A-list actor. Uh, he, they've, they've sort of like recreated what wrestling is as far as the respect level. And so now, anytime the boys have a bunch of different places to work, and they do now, you know, the, between AEW, WWE, ROH, a couple of these other independent wrestling companies that have contracts now, because TV wants to see more and more wrestling. Now, do I think they're taking it at an all-time high risk level? Wow. Like, all-time high. Like the risk that these kids take. And thank God, I probably 50% of the wrestlers that you see out there do my program. And I tell them they do because I give it to them for free. And I want to make sure they're all doing it. I also have a partnership with the NFL alumni. Anyone who goes through the NFL alumni gets my program for free. So I get it for free? You get it for free. I give wow. it to you anyway because we're on this doing a show. But hey, dude, anybody who's great. played the NFL, yeah. we, we worked that partnership out about a year and a half ago. And there's a bunch of guys doing it. And the guys that are doing it are feeling better. And but it's you know, it's like brushing your teeth. When you beat up your body the way you did, and all those other guys have, and all my boys have, if you don't brush your teeth every day, you're gonna lose them. You know, if you don't <laughs> do something. If you continue beating up your body with weights, you're just punishing yourself. If you're running, which most guys can't do anymore, as you know, because your knees and your back and your hips, 
Like you can't. So, so here, here's what, what happens. Here's what happens, Dallas. When I start to go and work out, all of a sudden I'll get bursar sacks on my knees, or I'll get them on my elbows, or I'll get them on my ankles. My I'll get like um, I'll have all of a sudden I'll get arthritis in my foot, and I I I want to work out. All of a sudden, then you start gaining more weight because you can't really work out. It's been a constant struggle for me to work out and to lose weight because I look, I bent 605 and I blew my bursar sacks out. I played seven yeah. years of football. I blew my knees out, and my ankles out. It's almost impossible. And like with you guys, same thing with the wrestling. I mean, you break your body down to a point where you can't, you almost can't recover. So watching you do what you did, that flexibility. It's incredible. You're 65 you, and you did that. That's unreal. If you give me you, if you give me, like, I mean, really give me yeah. you for 30 days, I change your life, bro. But it's a lifestyle change because the, the, the garbage that you eat is garbage. I eat real food and I only eat food organic. Uh, GMO free, gluten free, dairy free. That is the number one thing that made me feel ten years younger immediately. I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you up on it. Listen, we're running short on time here. I've got to ask you this. You brought up Rock. He's a dear friend of mine, and I'm gonna post this. What you say about the Rock here? What impact do you think the Rock had on the wrestling business? Oh humongous impact he was what probably he really was the most electrifying entertainer to be in our business as far as the personality and he just took that and ran with it and took over hollywood i mean there's nobody that i got more respect for in this business than him because of what he's achieved on all levels and a lot of guys you know they don't get to develop that second act in the middle of his first act, he went right to the second act and took that by storm. So, again, couldn't be any prouder of that cat, man. How, how about this? Between him and Hogan, you think those are the two guys that really set the set the cement and the foundation for where, think, what you guys did? I think uh, The Rock was you know, more entertainer-based as far as he was a great wrestler in the ring as well. But it, you – he didn't have enough time there. I put Steve Austin, which he'd be the first to tell you. Uh, really, Ric Flair. I, I would definitely put Rock in that group of guys. You know, uh, Dusty Rhodes, Jake Snake Roberts, guys who really had a long-term impact. The beauty of The Rock is he can do everything. Sing, dance, freaking <laughs> wrestle, promo, act. You know, he could be a serious actor. He could be a comedic actor. Like, there's the son of a bitch should be the president. Like, <laughs> like I honestly, God, believe it. There was people, rumors about it, getting around about it. But, like, straight talk. I think if The Rock ran for president on an independent ticket, because I think Republicans and Democrats both suck. I think you both <laughs> suck, so you can't blame me for either side. They're horrible. It's horrible. But I think if The Rock ran as an independent, I think he would win. Like, Because everybody loves the guy. And he's already proven super smart business cat. you know. And he's real. Like He has just reached out to so many different people. And as big as he is, 
he still keeps himself real. And that's what I love the most about him. I watch all his stuff, you know, on Instagram and, you know, Twitter, all that shit. Like, you know, he's just super colorful and a great businessman. And I, I love him. To, I, I'd love to see him as the president. It really would. Absolutely. I love him. Hey, real quick, how can folks get DDP Yoga? How can they get involved with it? Is there a website or anything I want sure, you to well, throw out? The app. The app is, there's no app in fitness like it. Uh, Go to ddpyoga.com or ddpy.com. I'm branding it ddpy now. Why? Because I want people to stop calling it just epping yoga because it's not. <laughs> I, I didn't develop it for yogis. I developed it for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga like you, Danny. Yeah, no, and I'm with you. That's what I developed it for. And we've got hundreds of thousands of subscribers to the app. You get it for the first seven days, it's free. So you either get it or you don't. Every Monday, motivational Monday. Every Tuesday, another new workout. There's over 300 of them up there. They start in bed. So my rebuild program, you can't get out of bed. I've got three workouts for you that'll help you get out of bed, sit in the chair, and do my chair force workouts. Then stand up, hold on to a chair, and get up and get down. That's what I did with the disabled veteran, Arthur Borman. That's what I did with Jake. That's what I did with Scott. That's what I did with so many guys that are beat up. Use the chair to build mobility, I love balance, it. and just take it from there all the way to psycho extreme hey, stuff. I love you, man. And I'm, I'm, I, I am proud to now say that we are friends. And anytime you need me for anything, I am here for you, DDP. I mean, I'm telling you, Dallas, um, I think you have – you know, develop something that I am completely interested in doing. I hope you'll come back. And I hope anytime that, you know, there's stories out there that you'll come back with us here because I just absolutely admire you and your career and all the things that you did. And we're going to post uh, this interview and we're going to post the comment that you made to The Rock because The Rock's a University of Miami guy. So am I. Yeah. So we're boys. Hey, <laughs> Dallas, thank you for doing this, man. We will do it again. Hey, I want to leave you with this. You got my number. You text me back. You get off the show. Yep. I will call you. I will set you up. And then you go in for 60 days. I'll come back. We'll say where you are. You got it. We'll see Fantastic. where you are. It's on you, Thank baby. You. You Thank you, Dallas. I appreciate it, baby. Thank you, man. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. You know, I kind of knew Dallas a little bit, but not a lot. And now it's it, that, you know, it's funny. People that have competed and people that have like put their asses on the line. Okay. And I, I, I tell you this all the time. I so love the journeys of all these things that people go through, whether you're a professional football player, whether you're a wrestler, God, seeing that world championship belt behind him too. How cool is that? I mean, right. So now we got a friend of the program. That's how we've done this all these years, I guess, is we've been fortunate enough to be able to know many of the people that he was, I mean, like The Rock and all that. And, you know, I knew like Andre and, you know, he. I think he forgot superstar Billy Graham too. You know, you got to throw superstar Billy Graham into the conversation as one of the legendary guys. But he said that The Rock really was the guy that just changed the whole premise of wrestling. You know, instead of it just being, well, they're wrestlers. Now we're talking about potentially The Rock being the president. And how cool is that? 
that you now have a centerpiece guy that potentially could be the president of the United States and the respect level. I love the fact that the old school guys too are respecting what Dwayne has accomplished. He, I loved watching the young rock. And by the way, he gave us in this show a great, a great plug uh, as we had like signed our deal with Big Joe to get the show up and running. Really great. We'll do that. By the way, Bill Goldberg is going to be coming on with us too. Another champ uh, in the wrestling world. We'll get with him. He was a great football player at Georgia. He's a great football. I think Dallas was a basketball player. I think that was his. Um, I think that was his background. By the way, we will have from the Athletic. Mike Lombardi tomorrow. <clears throat> That's who's scheduled as of now. May have some other special guests. We really appreciate it. Krause, great as always. Cal, thank you so much. Big Joe, we always appreciate it. Don't forget, 4 to 6 Eastern, you catch the National Football Show. You can catch it also if you want to replay it on the Jacob Media channel. Till tomorrow, we'll see you on the flip side. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.